Good morning, Bethel. It was great to see so many of you last Sunday night. And as we wait for the day that we can gather again in the sanctuary, uh, we this morning still want to praise the Lord and worship Him. And so we're going to open today's service with the song Lion and the Lamb. If you are able to, please stand and sing with us. The first line of this song is, He's coming on the clouds. And yes, Jesus, come. Every knee will bow before 
of God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. Good morning. I'm Dan Saldana, the Missions Giving Director for Bethel. I'm here to remind you that it's Mission Sunday. We dedicate the first uh, Sunday of every month for giving to missions. So as, uh, as you prepare your tithes and offerings, however you give, you can give through our online app or you can give uh, by writing a check and sending it to the church. So won't you put it a little extra above and beyond your tithes and offerings for missions? If everybody would contribute $25 or whatever you can send, we would greatly appreciate it. But above all, won't you please pray for our missionaries? I have a specific need that was came to my attention. Um, our missionaries to Mexico, Chris and Lizzie Trueworthy, just realized that they had been living in a two-story house that was built to sustain only a one-story house. The addition of the second story was added um, without proper footings. And after the last earthquake they had, they noticed severe cracks in the walls of the house. And they're in danger of the house collapsing on them should they get another earthquake. They are currently actively searching a new place, but housing is, is hard to come by in their region. So please, won't you pray that God will provide for them and keep them safe until they do. Let's pray as, as you hold your seed. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you give us, Lord, to come together, Lord, in over online to worship you and to hear your word, Father. And as we prepare our offering, Father, we ask that you multiply it, Father, to the, to the sender and to the receiver as well. I ask that you watch over the true worthies in Mexico, Father, and all our missionaries that we support throughout the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being generous to missions. Thank you, Dan, and we appreciate each and every one that loves the church with your giving and with your prayers. Uh, it's just a, a blessing, especially during this time of the uh, pandemic, and we just appreciate it more than you'll ever know. I also want to thank the Fisher family for providing us with some wonderful singing and some wonderful worship, Matt and Anne and Ryan. Thank you so very much. Ryan, I love you on those drums, young man, and we really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we have been looking for the, uh, at the last several weeks and studying uh, the nation of Israel and the exodus from Egypt. Uh, Israel's story represents certainly our own deliverance from bondage and the guilt of sin. And so we learn so much of what 
uh, is happening today in our lives or what can happen today in our lives by looking at the story of Israel, the story of the Exodus, and really an appreciated and, and understanding. Escaping from Egypt is only the first half of the Exodus. And the title of the sermon today is The Completed Exodus. For many, they've just come out of bondage. They've just come out of Egypt. But there's so much more for us to do. You see, God never intended for Israel to camp on the victory side of the Red Sea. He expected something else. He expected them to go into Canaan land. So it is important for us to understand the second half of the Exodus. There is the freedom from Exodus. There is the freedom to Canaan. And there for us, there is a freedom from, from oppression and from the power of sin. There is the aspect of liberation, as wonderful certainly as it is, but this is only half of what God certainly desires for us. In the scriptures, more emphasis is placed on the freedom for, for worship, for flourishing, for growth and obedience. And certainly God wants us to experience joy. God wants us to experience glory. Someone said human beings are not designed to be free from all constraint. Everybody serves somebody. So the point of the Exodus is not just for Israel to find deliverance from serving the old master. It is for them to find delight in serving certainly the new master. And again, for us today, as we look at this example, in fact, the apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he said, all of this happened to them that we may learn. It, it's for our example and that we can learn from that. You know, America is a great nation and we don't need to forget our history. We need to learn from our history. We need to learn from the history of the nation of Israel. We need to learn from the Old Testament. It is full of practical lessons for us to walk in the newness of life. Let's look, though, at, as we uh, study this, first of all, a call to service. The purpose of God and the moral freedom of men is that they should serve him, worship and service. Let's look at the scripture that we're using today in this study. It's several verses, but I just love as we look at Moses and his call before he certainly led the Israelites out of bondage. It's taken from Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to begin with verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse 3. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why, the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, 
Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then God said to him, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmakers, for I know their sorrows. So I have come, he says, down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing, he goes on to say, with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the place of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Verse 9, now therefore behold the cry, here it is again, that word cry. Behold the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, God says, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, he says to Moses, therefore I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, This is God speaking today, and I think this is what he's saying to us. I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. What a consolation. I I can imagine that was to, to Moses in his struggle and timidity when it came to God's calling upon him to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. What a, what a blessing that was. He said, you're going to serve. All the people of Israel are going to serve God on this mountain, Mount Sinai. And of course, this is where the law was given. Oh, what scripture. What a challenge. What a calling that God gave at that time to this man Moses. And he said, the reason that you're coming out is that you're going to serve me. In fact, that word serve is worship. You're going to worship. The Amplified even brings it out. You're going to worship and serve me. So the purpose of the Exodus, the real reason was that the children of Israel would come out of bondage I'll certainly go to Canaan land, but to serve and to, and to uh, worship God. They are to worship. I love worship. I miss it during this time of the quarantine. We're not able to come to church. We're not able to listen to the music and the singing and be led in worship and praise unto the Lord. But you know something? We all can worship God. I remember Paul Pano said years ago that he was driving down the streets of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he began to worship God right in the car. And he began to cry, and uh, he came to a stoplight just worshiping and praising the Lord. And he happened to look over to the left at a lady in another car looking at him, and she was wondering what in the world is going on with him. And he mouthed to her, I'm worshiping the Lord. God is calling us to worship him. 
There's nothing any more precious than to worship God, adore him, honor him. So we are to worship him and to praise him. In fact, another place in Exodus in chapter 4, verse 23, he says to Pharaoh, so I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. There's a reason. There's a purpose. You have a, a call of God that's upon your life. God is calling you. Salvation must come before service. In other words, we're to be delivered, we're to be saved before we can uh, certainly provide service. Someone said the feathered slave must be loose before he can work. There is no way we can do what we should do when it comes to working for God, using our talents and abilities to work for God until first of all, we have been set free from sin. We sing a song here in the church, I'm free, so free. I am the spirit and the spirit in me. I'm rejoicing because I am not what I was. Thanks to Calvary's tree, I'm free. Are you free today? If God has set you free, then God is calling you to be obedient to him when it comes to working, certainly in the vineyard. Being made free from sin, we become the servants of God. I love this verse in Romans. <clears throat> Paul's writing to the church at Rome, and he says in chapter 6 and in verse 22, But now having been set free from sin and having become the slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. So we've been, you know, we've been set free. The point of the Exodus is not just for Israel to find deliverance from serving the old master. It is certainly for them to find delight in serving the new master. He said, you're talking about serving someone else. We're going to be set free to serve someone else, serving God. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's nothing like becoming a believer in Christ. There's nothing like having a relationship with Jesus. There's such freedom. Someone says, you're talking about law and all of that stuff. How are you going to be free? Well, there needs to be law in order to be free. Let's take the law of aerodynamics. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't the law of aerodynamics wonderful? We can get in an airplane. We don't have to worry about the gravity pulling us back down. But we can take off and we can fly. And that's a wonderful law. So there are laws. And the laws of God are pleasant and wonderful. If you've never read the longest chapter in the Bible, I would encourage you to. It talks about that law and the commandments of God in Psalms 119. Being made free from sin, we become the servants of God. Being delivered from all our enemies, someone said, we serve God without fear. Luke tells us in chapter 1, in verse 74, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. So we're no longer bound to the enemy Satan. We're no longer bound to the power of sin. I didn't say we did not sin, but we're not bound to the power of sin. Sin is no longer to control us, but we have been delivered from that 
and certainly set free. Slaves served for fear, hirelings for wages, but sons for love. And we take that from the book of Exodus and how that he told Pharaoh, he said, Pharaoh, God did. He said, let my people go, my sons go. So you and I are sons and daughters of God. And we are set free because of his love and his power for us. Listen to this. Disentangled from the bondage of Satan, the love of sin, and the cares of the world, we are free, certainly, to serve God. But something that's very important is to understand you and I are not only free to serve God, but we are free to serve others. And what a delight that is. Some of the happiest people and the people that enjoys living more than maybe anything else is the people that serve and help and bless and minister unto others. Isn't that something? I trust if you've been called out of bondage, I trust this morning if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you will use your talent, that you will use your ability to be obedient for God. Don't take your talent and hide it. The Bible gives us a parable in the New Testament how the man took his talent, he wrapped it up, and he buried it. Don't bury your talent. You might say to me, preacher, I don't know. You're saying I can be used of God? That's for ministers. That's for preachers and pastors and evangelists. No, it's for all of us. You know, Moses, when he was called by God, felt like he couldn't do that. He said, I can't talk good. In one place, God said, wait a minute. I'll give you another mouth. I'll give you the words to say. You see, when God bids us go, he equips us certainly to go. He said, who am I? And you might say that to God today. Lord, how can I do this? I can't witness. I can't do all of these things. But God has called us to be obedient to him. It is sometimes occasioned by undue depreciating thoughts of self. What? When you and I feel in our inabilities. I can't do this. Listen, how do you feel about yourself being able to reach out and touch other people's lives and be bold when it comes to witnessing for God? It's important that we do that. It is sometimes our timidity is sometimes occasioned by an undue estimation of the difficulties of the work. It's too big for me. It's too much for me. The mountain's too high for me. I can't go and witness to that person. I can't pray for an hour. All of this stuff, it's too much. I've got too much to do. I'm involved in this. I'm too busy. The work is too much. Don't believe that. That certainly is a lie of Satan. Now, God told Moses, he said, I am going to be with you. He says that in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I will certainly be with you. I, I like what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28. Listen to these two verses. If you're struggling today, if you're timid today, if you 
uh, are afraid today. Listen to what God says, or Jesus says in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, when you're struggling, even you're not struggling. He says, even to the end of the age, amen. God's presence will be with us. God's divine presence is our sustaining influence and victory. Let me, say, let me tell you something that's very uh, delightful. And that is leading people to Jesus Christ. If you've never done it, if you've never opened your Bible or, or, or opened yourself up to witness to people and, and be able to tell them about Jesus Christ and, and lead them to a relationship with the Lord, it is a wonderful, wonderful blessing. God's grace is sufficient to fulfill the task that he has designed. For you, God speaking to Moses at the burning bush. There was another fire, the fire like fire, the Bible says. Listen to Acts chapter 2. Listen to what it says to the church today. And I believe that this is very important when it comes to you and I being able to step out in faith and be obedient to God. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them Divided tongues as of fire, as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And the Spirit gave them utterance. You say, well, I'd like, would have liked to experience that fire with the bush in the desert. Well, you can. The fire of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the birth of the church. This is when the church was born. This is when God had called you and I to be obedient to him. John the Baptist even foretold this. How the spirit baptism would be accompanied by fire. Listen at verse 11 of chapter 3 of, of Matthew. Indeed, John says, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The disciples were certainly timid when it came to doing something for the Lord at times. Even though they'd been with Christ for three years, they were afraid. They ran and hid. They were not bold. But after Pentecost, after they had experienced the fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were bold. Every one of them were bold, all 11 of them. And they stood for the Lord. We encourage, we are encouraged to seek and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
If you never have, I encourage you to do that. It's for us today. And God will anoint you. God, here's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He says he will guide you into all truth. God is calling you, but he doesn't send you without equipping you. And that equipment is a baptism, certainly, of the Holy Spirit. A spirit-filled relationship with Jesus will help you speak boldly with courage and spiritual understanding. Again, I want to say this. The disciples were bold and courageous. They turned their world upside down. But it was after Pentecost. It was after they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Lord and the boldness, certainly, that goes along with that. So the exodus to be free is wonderful. Aren't you glad you're free? If you're not, you can be. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you, you can today. That's the thing about it. You say, preacher, I'm not in a church. I'm sitting here with my cup of coffee in my hand. I would encourage you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, to think about this. What is your relationship with God? What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it what it should be? Have you ever repented of your sins? Well, if you hadn't, do that today. Come out from that bondage that Satan has you in. You say, Pastor, I'm not bound, are you? Well, are you not? That's what the Jews said when Jesus talked to them in John chapter 8. We're not bound. Don't, don't try to fool yourself. Understand. If you're serving Satan, and you are if you're not serving God, you either have the master, Satan himself, or Jesus Christ is your master. I would encourage you to make that, that kind of decision. Accept him as your personal Savior. We're going to pray in just a moment. I would encourage you to pray with us and believe the Lord. There are a lot of hurting people in our world today, and I believe that you and I have been challenged to reach them. We first of all must be set free from our sins and then we must go out. We must go. Witness for God. Love people. Love people. You say, Pastor, I love people. I help people. I give to people. That's wonderful. But the best way in the world to love people, help people, and minister unto them is having that divine appointment of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to do that. Do you know him? If you don't, let's accept him. Let's believe the Lord as we pray. Father, we're so thankful for your blessings today. We thank you for bringing us out of Egypt. We thank you for bringing us out of our bondage and setting us free to be able, dear God, to go our way to Canaan land where there's milk and honey, where we can enjoy following you. We thank you, dear God, that you have called us, every person that knows you as our personal Savior. You have equipped us, and we're to be about certainly our Father's business. Now, for those, dear God, that's praying at this time and receiving you, we ask you, Father, forgive them of their sins, set them free. Let them know that they have passed from death unto life. Because of that prayer, 
and because of faith in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, perhaps God is asking you to rethink your purpose and direction in life. If he is, accept that challenge. and Say, Father, you've brought me out of Egypt. Now I'm going to go worship and I'm going to go serve you and I'm going to go serve people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name. Jesus Christ my
got the against and against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of
His blood breaks the chains Every knee will bow before the Lord